You're listening to Blessed, Living the Good Life According to Jesus, a study of the Beatitudes. For more information, visit our website at crosspointptc.com. A series called Bless. We're going through the book of uh, Matthew in, in a, sp- a particular uh, part. It's the first book in the New Testament, and we're in chapter 5, and we're going through Jesus' first sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the reason, and the reason we, we call it hashtag blessed is because Jesus makes all of these statements saying, blessed are the so-and-so, blessed are the fill-in-the-blank, and, and he makes all these statements, and, and a hashtag is a way to mark something that's trending in culture today on a social media platform. So hashtag blessed is used 15,000 times a day in 15,000 different ways, and so our question was, man, everybody has their own idea of what blessed means, but what does Jesus mean by being blessed? And I've got some examples. Let's put this first slide up here of being blessed on social media. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, do we have the photos? No, okay, we don't have the photos. Um, let me pull them up. I'll read them from Dropbox. Because there is just... Dropbox thought it was going to be joking. It said... It said it's loading. All right, check this out. Okay. You guys probably can't see this, but this is World Series tickets. Okay? This was on Twitter. And it says... How lucky am I? Not often you get the opportunity to attend the biggest game in baseball. Very grateful. Hashtag blessed. So this guy thinks being blessed is going to a Kansas City Royals game. (laughs) See if we make it to that ordination after all, Michael. His Royals beat my Orioles. Um, Here's another one. This is from The Voice. Have you guys guys seen that, that television show, The Voice, where... Uh, people who are famous under the radar. Oh, here we go. Perfect. Um, uh, get on TV and, and pretend it's American Idol, and it's, it's not. They're, they are signed and touring artists who just want to get bigger. So look at this. This is crazy. All right. The Voice. Retweet if you feel hashtag blessed that at Adam Levine stole at Blessings Gopher. Hashtag bla- battle continues. Like, what? You, how would you feel blessed that Adam Levine would steal this guy? Like, oh, that just blessed me. But apparently that blessed somebody because they retweeted it, right? And so people are feeling blessed, and they think being blessed is this guy moving on in the competition. Um, and then the third one is this. Oh, yeah. Anybody live in that world right now? Isn't it great? This is Ira Cronin, at Ira Cronin. A pretty good view on a perfect fall Sunday night, and I don't have to rush off to bed. Of course you don't. It's still light out. Why would you rush <laughs> off to bed? Like, what, what are you, like, what are you, 99? You know, just, like, the sun is still out. That is a huge fire, you know, but hashtag blessed. So, so we have these ideas of what blessing is is being blessed is getting to go to the World Series. Being blessed is moving on to the next round in a uh, popular television show. Being blessed is sitting out on your porch not having to go to bed at 3 p.m. Like, (laughs) that is what being blessed 
consists of. And, and, and as we see Jesus preach this sermon, we see that being blessed is to be in the kingdom of God. And if you don't know what that means, basically when we simplify it, being blessed is knowing Jesus. That's what it means to truly be blessed. And, and, and we're not here to, to, to take out that your, your, your language or how you use that. Like, feel free to, you know, just, you know, cross point together, hashtag blessed. That's fine. Today was a blessing. All of that is fine. You don't have to change your language, but we want to get to the root. What, where is blessedness rooted? And it's rooted in Christ, nowhere else. And so we're going to look at a, a, a scripture today um, and continue um, to, to, to look at um, what blessedness really is. And so if you're, if, you're a, if you're a Christian today, soak that in. Like sit in and just soak in the, the truth that you're blessed because you know Jesus. And if you're not a Christian today, welcome. I hope that today would be a really encouraging time where you get to say, all right, what do these Christians believe? Why, you know, who's this Jesus guy that, that, that you, you know, wherever you are on your faith journey, that today truly would be a blessing from God on you and that you would experience him in a tangible way. So, so let's pray and we'll get started. God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here um, and the ones who aren't here, God. I pray for um, uh, just our time together today, Jesus, that you would preach through me, that it wouldn't be me, God, but it would be you um, making much of yourself. Teach us today from your word, Lord, who you are and what you've done and how wonderful you are. Holy Spirit, use me, a sinful man, this morning to communicate the glorious good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of the Father. Amen. Um, I want you to write this question down, either on your smartphone or your pen, or in the sermon notes section. And the question is this, what will it take to make me happy? Go ahead, write that down. What will it take to make me happy? happy because this beatitude that we're looking at today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Another way to say that is they will be filled and, and blessed is another way of saying happy. So happy is the person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for they will be satisfied. But I think the majority of the world and our temptation for us today is to hunger and thirst after blessing. Like we get it backwards. We want to be blessed, so we hunger and thirst after the blessing instead of righteousness. We crave to have the next thing or to acquire another status. And so my question, how do we gauge that would be, what do you daydream about? What do you wish you had? What do you lie in bed at night and think, man, if I only had this, then I would be happy, then everything would be okay, or, or maybe, maybe you would feel bad about saying that. You'd be like, oh, that would be really nice. It's just your way of masking that this would solve my problem. This would solve my, like, my current position of discomfort and discontent. And I think that there are many of us who, who, who hunger and we crave sex. We crave money. We crave power. And, 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 and I think uh, most of us are, are probably smart enough to say, no, nah, nah, you know, not really, Josiah. You know, we get all existential and conversational about it. I, I don't crave money, you know, uh, but, but, but what about the more practical things? Like I think for myself, a practical thing, like I would never say, no, I don't hunger 
and thirst after money. But for me, you know, I daydream about being debt free. You know, I find myself saying, man, if we could just be out of school debt, because I went to college and then I went to college, um, and, and that costs money. You know, and it's just like, man, if we could just be out of debt, then, you know, everything would be fine. And, and I masked that with not everything would be fine, but then we could put money towards retirement. We could do this or do that. And all of a sudden, I start thinking in terms of being rescued and, 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 and hungry and craving to being out of debt. Um, I think I'm also tempted um, sinfully uh, to, to think that, man, if I just had a bigger church, if I just had one more person on staff, if I just had, you know, and I, and I start to dream, instead of looking at what God's placed before me, being thankful for that and stewarding that and, and hungering after him and his righteousness, I begin to crave, well, if I just had this, everything would be okay. Um, I mean, it, it could be a, a weight thing. Like, man, when I got married, y'all, like this was on point. Like I was, I was just 185. Like people were like, hey, will you please be in my movie? And I was just like, get away from me. You know, I was just beautiful. And now I, they're Oreos and children. It's just, just this is just not okay. And, you know, and I, I, I'm tempted to think, man, if I could just get down, you know, to my fighting weight, you know, that'd be awesome. You know, protect my family. And it's just, I would crave and hunger after that because I would think, all right, 185 would make me satisfied. But the truth is 185 would make me satisfied and then wings would make me satisfied. You know, delicious wings. Uh, yeah. Losing weight is hard because of Dunkin' Donuts. And the thing is, like, these things are fine, like, in and of themselves, until we idolize them. Like, being healthy, losing weight, that's fine. Desiring more people to come to know Jesus, which would result in a bigger church, that's fine, right? Like, nobody's like, no, we got to lock the doors, rack capacity. That's not a church, you know, that's a club. Yeah, like, none of that is bad. But when we idolize it, when we idolize and we seek blessing instead of righteousness, we, we have it completely backwards. So what about you? I mean, maybe you're sitting here you're, and, and, and you're like, if I just had a finished kitchen, girl, if there was just an island here and the, like just brushed metal, you know, on the, and, the, and the, the, when you shut the, 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 the drawer, just it stops and looks at you and says, hey, I got this for the, for, for the rest of the time. And then it slides on and closes by itself. It's got that slam-proof buffer. You know, it's just, you know, maybe that is you, or maybe it's a little more serious. Maybe you're like, if I could just break this addiction, you know? It doesn't have to be nar narcotics or alcohol. It could be, you know, if, if you have a nicotine addiction, if you have, you know, wh whatever your addiction might be, if I could just break this addiction, then I would be happy. If I could just overcome this pain, then I would be happy. I would be blessed if, if we could just reconnect as a couple. If things could go back to the way that they were, then we would be happy. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessing doesn't come from seeking blessing. The person who experiences God's blessing, according to Jesus, is the one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. That is the person who experiences blessing. This is why the world continues their pursuit of happiness but never finds it. Satisfaction is not found in happiness. Satisfaction is immediately found and experienced when we seek after righteousness. And this would hit home with our Jewish uh, audience that we have before us on this mountain that Jesus is preaching to because in the first century, specifically in that area, hunger and thirst 
the fear of starvation was around the corner. You and I don't have that. I, I would be willing to say there are very few people in this room who have actually experienced true hunger. I'm not talking about like you went, you went a day without food or you did a 24-hour fast or 48-hour famine. I'm talking three or four days. There's nothing to eat. You're longing. Like, like that doesn't really make sense for us in our context. But for the Jews, they would go, huh, hunger and thirst, you know, that, that brings an immediacy and, an, and like an urgency to seeking after the righteousness of God because you didn't want to go hungry. You didn't want your family to die off. So you would work as hard as you could with, with the crops or the cattle or whatever it is you did to assure that you put food on the table. We got direct TV recently and it's amazing. Um, and, and you just record, like I watched like all a week's worth of Jimmy Fallon in like 40 minutes because I just got to skip through the parts that I wanted to watch. It was just amazing. Just incredible. Like I used to have to get up off the couch and go up and click between the first, like there was a U channel and then there was a two channel, you know, in our house growing up. And it was like, you know, you know, uh, like Sesame Street and the Ninja Turtles. And like that, like that was it. That's all you got. And now I'm just like, oh man, my recording messed up. What the crap? DirecTV is such a jerk. You know, like we just whine and complain. But I digress. There was a, a DirecTV guy who came out and, had, um, and, and, his, and his name was Ime. And he was from Nigeria. And it was so interesting. He, he grew up, uh, he, he was born here, lived here for two years, then he went and he grew up in Nigeria, and then he came back, and now he lives here. And he was like talking about the, the real urgency and like terror he has for his own family getting Ebola because it's just rampant there. And he can't go visit them, and he's scared. And all of a sudden, like my world, I'm just like, oh, I'm, just, I'm getting a satellite dish and his family might get Ebola. I just brought a realness to our, our conversation and I asked him about his job, and he said this, and I thought it was telling uh, for our audience today. He said, yeah, I work whatever puts food on the table. Like, that's what Ime is concerned with, feeding himself and feeding him family, his family. He's not, he's not concerned with having all the toys and the prettiest things and, and seeking after a lot of the other hashtags that I didn't put up there. I saw one with a Jeep and it had a bow on it. I had, I had another one where a car was parked in front of a church, and the person said to pray for your blessings, so they went to church to pray for their car. It was really weird. It was backwards. And so, so, so you know, but that, that shows what our culture hungers for, what we crave, what we are insatiable for. And so the rest of the time today, we're going to be in Luke 15. Please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and a, an usher will bring you one because I want you guys to see it for yourself that this is actually in here, that I'm not just preaching, that I'm not just putting words up on the screen, but that it's actually in your Bible. I think we got one down here on the front row or second, <coughs> second row. And we're going to look at the parable of the lost son. Um, and, 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 and really, to set our story up, uh, Jesus is preaching, and he's telling these parables to, to a group of people. And there's two types of people in the crowd. There, are, there are, uh, are sinners, is what they called them during that time, and there are Pharisees. So what we have is people who don't know Jesus, people who are far from Jesus, and then we have people uh, who, who, who claim that they are in close relationship with God, but in reality. They are just doing everything they're supposed to do that's right. They're just playing the part. They're just doing the little checklist. And so you have all these really arrogant uh, religious people, and then you have all these really just licentious and, 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 and just kind of grimy uh, uh, 
just lost people who, who, who don't ascribe to anything. And so that's kind of our, our audience that Jesus is preaching to. And I think this is huge today because this shows the flow of the Beatitudes that Jesus is talking about. This is going to show us what it means when we hunger and thirst after righteousness and what happens when we hunger and thirst after blessing instead of righteousness. So 1511. And he said, him being Jesus, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to the father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. This is enormous. He's asking for his inheritance. This is the equivalent of looking at his dad and saying, dad, I wish you were dead. That's what that means. If you went home and you're like, dad, can I have my inheritance? You might as well be spitting in his face and saying, I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming to me. And look at the father's response. And he divided the property between them. He doesn't fuss. He doesn't fight. The father gives him the property. He gives the other brother the other property and everything that is coming to him. And it's super important to, to remember as we track through this story that Jesus is telling a parable. So, so it's, 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 it's pointing to something. This has spiritual overtones, obviously. It's in the Bible. But basically, the father is God, and, 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 and the two brothers represent the, the people who are in the crowd that Jesus is talking to. And so there's a lot of heaven imagery. There's a lot of salvation imagery as we track through this. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. Funny how that happens, right? You ever been there? All of a sudden you spend everything you have, and then it, and then it all comes crashing down. And you're like, what? Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's alone in a far land. He doesn't have any food. He's looking at the slop that the pigs are eating, and he's like, man, that looks delicious. I wish I could have that, and no one's helping him out. No one's giving him anything, and then this happens. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. That's what we're talking about today. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. This is the flow of the Beatitudes that we're looking at. He comes to himself. He realizes he has sinned. He realizes his position in relationship to the Father. He realizes not only his physical poverty, but also his spiritual poverty, because this is a parallel for Jesus and us today, and the Father and us in our lives. And he says, I'm going to go to my Father. I'm going to say, I've sinned against you and God. So there is the mourning over his sin, which is the second beatitude. And then he says, he got up and he went to his father. So now he's walking in meekness and humility towards his dad. Here we have the entire trajectory of the first Beatitudes that we've been talking about. And now he's going to his father because he knows that rightness, or is what we're calling it today, righteousness resides at home. And Jesus is making the point, righteousness, safety, salvation, security, resides with God alone. It's nowhere else. 
He went to a far land. He experienced all kinds of craziness. He spent everything he had. I mean, think of an inheritance. He spent an inheritance. And it wasn't enough. It didn't satisfy him. And so he makes his way home. It says this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Grown men in first century Palestine and just the area around them don't run. I'm a grown man. I don't run anywhere. You have people to run for you, let alone pick up your robe, expose your bare chicken legs, and be just, dis, just demeaned by the entire community, and you're running to... And, 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 the, and the picture here is he runs, he embraces him, and it's with such force that he knocks him over, and he's on the ground, and he's kissing his boy because he finally has him back. He doesn't care about how he looks. He doesn't care about what other people think of him. He's excited that his son is back, and, and and, and, and I love the son. He, he goes into it. He launches into his speech, right? He's like, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, totally cuts him off. Bring quickly the best robe, the best one we have, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Isn't that amazing? He didn't even have shoes. He didn't have shoes to wear. And now he's going to be shooed. I thought I, I, I fully expected something way more prolific to come out of my mouth. That's all you guys get. He was shooed. And I think that is prolific. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Delicious. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is a message to the people who are far from Jesus who are spending their money, spending their time, spending their relationships on themselves. They're trying everything possible that they can to gain comfort, to seek blessing, to seek happiness, and it's not enough. And Jesus is saying, just come to the Father. You're going to be greeted and lavished with love because that's how God the Father is. And that's how God is today. That's how he was then. That's how he'll be forever because he sent Jesus to take our place because we've messed everything up. Jesus lived in perfect obedience to the Father, and then he was hung and he was killed on a cross for what we've done. Every single sin that we've committed has been punished on Christ. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing more to, to, to do to make up for our sin because it's all been punished on Jesus, and God has been satisfied because of that. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He's provided a way back to God. And that's through himself. So the way that you get to God is through Jesus, not through doing things, not through being good enough, not through accumulating enough spiritual tallies on your list. All those things are very good, but they don't earn you right standing before God. That comes through Christ. We have another brother. <clears throat> this is usually where pastors stop. But there's another brother. And, and as I think that there are some younger brothers here or sisters that you guys might relate to, you're saying, man, that's me. I'm far from God. I'm trying to seek blessing. I'm trying to do this and that <clears throat> outside of Christ. I think there's older brothers in here. 
Let's look at this. And if, if this resonates with you, my prayer is that your heart would be softened and that you would truly consider where you are in relation to God today. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, hearing music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Like, this should be good news. Like, your brother's home. This is great. Like, our, you know, the response of the older brother should have been, this is amazing. And, but he wasn't. It says he was angry, and he refused to go in. The, the, the party represents heaven. The party represents going into where the father is. And so the father comes out, and he entreats him. Now, remember, this is directed towards the Pharisees. These are the religious elite, the people who think they, they can do it all by themselves. Their moralism is enough. Their religiosity is enough. And, 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 and the crazy thing is, is, is we have to have the posture that the father has towards the elder brother in Fayette County, in Coweta County. Tim Keller says, you know how you are starting to become a Pharisee? When you hate Pharisees. When you think you're better than them. Oh, they don't get grace. Apparently you don't get grace either because you're talking like that. Well, they're full of themselves. Well, you're judging them. You're full of yourself. We have to come to people who are religiously lost and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're earning it. Maybe your, your church attendance is what brings you validation. Maybe your small group attendance or your prayer, or your Bible study is what you look towards for validation. Welcome. Hello. Good to see you. The father comes out and it says he entreated him. That word entreat means he, it means he comes with his hands open. He's pleading with him, please come into the party. Please, and he says this. But he answered his father, look. That's, you, don't, you don't say that to your dad. That's listen. You don't say that to your dad here. You don't say that to your dad there. These many years, check this trajectory. I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. It's all about him. You ever known somebody like that? Well, what about me? I've done everything right. I've served. I've given my money. Why do they get the blessing? Why do they get the grace? Why do they get the attention? Why do they get the leadership position? That's elder brother stuff. That's pharisaical stuff. That's coming from a heart of selfishness, not a heart that looks to the interest and, 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 and defers to, 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 to the presence of others out of humility the way Jesus has. But when this son of yours came, he doesn't even call him his brother. It's this son of yours now. He's totally separated himself. Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed a fattened calf for him. He's built a pretty good case. I can understand him being upset. Like his dad, I mean, think about it. Go back to the first couple verses. Like he divided his property between them, right? So 50% is gone. So now 50% is left, right? And if the son comes back and he's restored into the family, we're going to split this again, aren't we? His inheritance is now getting messed with. 
That's some of you today. You don't, you don't like your money being touched. You don't like your time being touched. You don't like your relationships being touched because it's all about you and what you do. You can't enjoy the grace of God that's happening around you because you're so inwardly focused. And this is what the Father says, and this is my message to you today. And he said to him, Son, he reminds him of his identity, of who he is. Son, you're my son. You have a place here, you're in the family. You are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. You see what he's saying there? The older brother's like, you didn't even give me a goat. He's like, everything I have is yours. If you wanted the goat, go, go kill the goat. It's yours. Have fun with your friends. You want to kill a fattened calf? Kill a fattened calf. Everything I have is yours. Like, what do you, like, it's so baffling that the older brother's acting like this. And that's some of you today. God's looking at you like, what, why are you so upset? Everything that I have belongs to you. You have the greatest inheritance you could ever hope for. You have salvation. Like, why are you so mad at them? Because I decided to give them grace, the same grace that I gave you and continue to give you and am giving you in this moment of your selfishness. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It doesn't tell us how it ends. I assume he's left outside the party. He's, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, he's telling the religious elite of the time that um, if you don't come to the Father, if you don't humble yourself, you're not coming into the party. And you know that. You should know that. You know all the scripture. Like, it's it just, Jesus is just probably, his mind is just boggled talking to these men <coughs> and everyone else in attendance in the crowd. And, and I thought about it. Man. What Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5 is, is lived out with the younger brother, the flow of the Beatitudes. How do we get to hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Well, first we see our poverty in spirit. We see our relationship to God, that we are nothing in relation to him. We need him because of our, we're sinful. And then we move to mourning. We mourn our sin. And mourning our sin leads us into humility. And then walking in humility gives us that hunger and thirst for righteousness because we see who God is and what he's done for us. And, and, and you, can, you can come here today and you can sit in your seat and you can take notes and you can give your money. You can do all that. And you can still leave this place outside the party. Because the elder brother was rich in spirit. He did everything right. He never disobeyed. Is that your argument? Because he was rich in spirit, he had no need to mourn his sin. Like he's spitting in the face of the father in this parable. Like the, what the elder brother should have done, the proper thing for the elder brother to do in that time and age would be to go after the younger brother and get him and bring him back. And he didn't. He just stayed because he had to do what he was supposed to do. But Jesus is the perfect older brother. 
Jesus comes and gets us, and he brings us back to the Father. And so we see today in this parable the unfolding of what happens when we seek and hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we see what happens when we hunger and thirst after blessing. The older brother wanted a goat. He had no idea. He had 100% access to the fatted calf because he was seeking blessing and not righteousness. So where are you today? Are you the younger brother? Are you lost? Are you saying, man, that's me. I've been living crazy. I've been disobedient. I've been far from God. I want to follow Jesus. I want to come back. I want to run to the Father. I, I, I want that. If that's you today, then repent. Follow Jesus. It, like we're gonna, we're gonna have a baptism service here in a few weeks. Like mark on your connection card that you want to get baptized, and we'll baptize you, and we'll let you profess faith in Jesus before everybody. Maybe you're the elder brother. Maybe you look at that story and 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 how you know the elder brothers. If you look at that story and you go, "Oh, that's not me. That's you. You're the elder brother. That's how you know." There's grace for you. The Father's standing outside the party entreating you to come in. Repent of your sin. Come to Jesus. We'll baptize you too. I guarantee you we're going to baptize more people who grew up in the church, grew up in a Christian home than not. We just will. We're going to baptize a lot of elder brothers, and I love that. Maybe you're just a Christian and you don't really identify with the younger brother. You don't really identify with the elder brother. Or you're like, yeah, at a time in my life, I was a, I was a younger brother. And then at a time, I was an elder brother. But I don't, really, I don't really see myself or identify with either of those men. Maybe you're just a Christian who's been hungering and thirsting after blessing. Especially with Christmas coming up. If I could just get this. If I could just give that. If we could just get this. If we could pool our money. If we could do this or do that, if they would come to town, if I could just, maybe I'll meet him, maybe I'll meet her this year, and I'll finally have a date to New Year's Eve and mistletoe and all that. Maybe you're hungry and thirsting after blessing instead of righteousness. It's time to flip it. Jesus says when we hunger and thirst after righteousness will be satisfied. And, and it's, the same, it's the same trajectory we've seen with all the other Beatitudes. They means they and they alone. <clears throat> and it means immediately. So the only people who are satisfied are the Christians who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And they and they alone will be immediately satisfied. Everyone else will go on continually unsatisfied with their life, with their situation because they're apart from Jesus. So how does this play out practically? I have a question. <clears throat> what does your appetite for God look like? What's your appetite? Um, Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams of water, or flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. I think there are times in my life I look at that and I go, man, that is me. I crave being with God. I crave his word. I crave his character. I crave his will. I want to I wanna be with him. I, and I think there have been times in my life where I look at that and I go, um, I don't like the song they wrote from that 
you know, I don't, I don't really get that. My soul thirsts for God. Like I think, and wherever you land, I, I think it's okay. But I, I want us to do two things this week. I think uh, Matt Chandler has, I, I took this from him. And I think this has been super helpful for me when I find myself in a place where I'm like, man, I'm just not hungering and thirsting after God. I, I'm in a dry place. And, and that can come uh, from, from a number of different areas. Um, that can come from unconfessed sin, where you, you're just unrepentant of the, of, of the sin that's in your life. I think it could come from a time of discouragement. I think it could come from disconnection. This is why we ask you guys to, to get in a community group and, and jump in and be a part of our community because uh, if, if, if once you're in community, then you're known, you know, and, and, and you can just be in relationship with people and you can be cared for, you can care for people, but once you disconnect, then you're outside of that and you can find yourself in that realm. And usually people who disconnect connect from the church, uh, specifically in a communal sense, either turn to uh, like a consumeristic type of we go to church mentality, and it happens slowly. We would never want to say that. We would never want to say, oh, well, I'm a consumer, you know, like no one's ever going to say that, but by our actions, that is what is happening. Or the other thing is slowly we just, we drift away, and then we miss a Sunday, we miss a two, two Sundays, and then all of a sudden we just kind of disappear, and we fade away into whatever we're doing with our life. So I think when we get in that dry place, or even just any time, this can be good. Matt Chandler says, find out what stirs your affections for Jesus. Like for me, cold weather stirs my affection for Christ. I love it. I don't know what it is. It just does. I'm just like, ah, my family stirs my affection for Jesus. See my little girl's run around, my wife on the couch, like that just, that just, that produces thankfulness for Christ in me. Good coffee, good books, man, they just, oh man, God, you've just created so much amazing things. Um, scripture, obviously, stirs my affection for Jesus. Um, Pete Yorn and, and David Gray's first albums stir my affections for Jesus. They just do. I don't know what it is, but y'all forgot about that first Pete Yorn album. Oh, so good. So find what it is for you and then do those things. Stir your affections for Christ. Stir, like find out, all right, what makes me tick? What makes me long to go to church? What makes me want to open my Bible? What makes me want to hunger and thirst after righteousness? And then do those things. The other thing is find out what steals your affection from Christ. For me, like too much TV or too much like blue light is what I call it, um, steals my affection from Jesus. I just get, you know, trapped in the, in the DVR mode or I'm just watching videos on YouTube or, you know, I'm just like checking Facebook a million times. Like that just steals. It sucks my hunger and, and thirst for righteousness out of me. Um, I think eating poorly uh, just steals my affection for Jesus. I become more satisfied in the junk food or whatever that I'm consuming, that I'm not satisfied in Christ. I no longer have that craving for him because I'm trying to meet it with this temporary feeling. What else did I write down? Um, I think seeking approval from people <coughs> steals my affection from Jesus. When I don't rest, and who I am in Christ, but I need you guys to tell me that I'm doing a good job, or I need my wife to tell me I'm doing a good job, or, you know, when I begin to seek validation outside of Jesus, I think that steals my affection. And then I think when I don't rest well, when I'm not sleeping well, when I'm not taking my day off, when, when, I, when I get out of those rhythms, I get cranky, I get distant, I no longer hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. So find the things that stir your affections for Jesus and do those things. And then find the things that steal your affection from Jesus and stop, limit, or restructure those things because chances are they might not be a bad thing. Like, you know, um, like TV isn't a terrible thing. It's not some atrocious thing, but that might just need to be a restructuring of your life. And so the, 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 the trajectory that we have today in the Beatitudes is to see your poverty, to mourn your sin, humble yourself, and the result is hungering and thirsting after righteousness in God. It's a trajectory that happens. And Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. How does transformation come? By the renewal of our minds. So we all want this over here. This is the transformed life. This is the best life you've had now. This is all the things that you're supposed to do. We all want this, but the problem is we get it backwards. We say, all right, I'm going to do all of these things, and then that will make me this in the eyes of God. The truth is you're already this in the eyes of God. And when you remember that, and, and that's the thing, is you don't have a doing problem, you have a belief problem. When you remind yourself of who you are in Jesus, then that transformation flows from that renewal and that reminding, and then all of this stuff plays out naturally. You want to read your Bible? Remind yourself of the gospel. You want to pray? Remind yourself of the gospel. You want to love Jesus? Remind yourself of the gospel and give your money. He says it, Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Whatever you spend your money on, you're going to love. Just plain and simple. It's not a ploy to get your money. I'm just quoting Jesus. We've got to stop doing. We've got to start believing. We've got to stop doing, and we've got to start remembering. And some of you cringe at that. You can't say that. Yeah, I can. Jesus said it. The funny thing is, is when we start remembering, we start believing, the doing will just flow Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this message, visit us at crosspointptc.com. There you can contact us, find further resources and directions to our gatherings. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-E-P-T-C dot com.